This message comes to you from City Bible Church in Portland, Oregon, where we are committed to living like Jesus and sharing His love. It is our prayer that this message blesses and enriches your life. We're in a series called Followers, and this series has been going for a number of weeks. This is the last message in this series, although I'll continue in a different theme stream. Uh, but it will parallel the same heartbeat that I have right now in our congregation about just the whole uh, Jesus piece of our life on how we follow Jesus, how we know Jesus. Everybody starts at a different place. Everybody continues on at a different pace. That's the way it is. If you're in the services and you're uh, just started on that journey, congratulations, that's awesome. If you're not even started, you're thinking about it, congratulations, that's awesome. If you've been kind of uh, away a little bit and just trained a little bit with God, with Jesus, with maybe church, but you're here today, congratulations. Thank you very much. And God bless you for at least giving us a chance, giving God a chance, and maybe opening your life a little bit and seeing what the Lord Jesus might want to do. One fact for sure is that Jesus loves you exactly how you are right now. Exactly. He loves you and everything about you. He knows you and he brought you. He has a wonderful idea that is working for you in your life. You've not been left behind. You are owned by God. You're owned by Jesus. He knows exactly the footsteps you've been taking, knows exactly what happened, knows exactly where you got beat up, knows exactly what happened emotionally in your life. And God is after you to show you his grace and his love and to do something in your life. Can someone shout a big amen? amen. We need that kind of hope. Every time we turn to look at Jesus, every time to believe that something's going to happen in our life. We started the series with a little story out of a little book written about 150 years ago by a man named McDonald. And the book is called The Princess and the Goblet, even though I don't kind of endorse all the goblet stuff and all that. It's just a story. And the story has a remarkable uh, analogy to it. Uh, it's, uh, it's written with a message, and if you read it right, it is genius. It's really an amazing little book. The book's about Irene, and Irene belongs to the king. She's the daughter of the king, but she's put in another house, and the old lady lives in the house. The house has lots and lots and lots and lots of rooms. Irene gets put there. She doesn't know all about the rooms, and she doesn't even know the old lady lives up in the top room, and the old lady is actually her grandmother. So the story has a lot of pieces to it. One of the great pieces that I chose from the story was the idea of the threat, that the woman gave her a ring and a thread so that if she ever needed to find the grandmother, she told Irene, if you take one end, I will have the other end. No matter what it feels like, it will always lead you to me. Even if you're afraid, if it's dark and there's all the different uh, goblins and demons and stuff that were around in the caves and the mountains and the whole story written very colorfully, says if you take the thread and you follow the thread and believe in the thread, even though you can't see the thread, you can feel the thread, but only if you move forward. If you move backward, the thread evaporates. You can't feel it, so you've got to move with the thread. So Irene, the whole story is about her going into the mountain, and she finds all the caves, and she's afraid, but she follows the thread. And as she does this, she finds one of her friends trapped in one of the lower caves with the goblins. His name was Curdie. And the thread led her all the way down, and then with the thread, she took him, and she led them all the way out of the mountain, all the way back home again, even though Curdie never believed that she had thread. 
The whole story is about courteous Dan. I don't believe it. It's, it's, it's stupid. And why do you talk about this threat? I can't see it. I can't feel it. I don't know what you're doing, but it does work. I don't know how it works, but I am going to follow you. But the whole story kind of goes with him saying, I don't believe it. I don't know how you got us out of here, but there is no mystical thread. You're just a fantasizer. And Irene rebukes him and says, you will someday believe this. You'll just have to trust me now. And so the story goes all the way through until finally, Curdy himself gets trapped again in the mountain trying to rescue people and trying to find out something. He gets trapped himself. Has nowhere to go. It's all dark. He can't get out. There is no Irene. And he feels something touch his hand. And so he's frightened at first, but it touched his hand again and he moved around toward it and he felt it and it was a piece of thread. So as he touched the piece of thread, his mind went all the way back to Irene, everything she said, all they experienced. He said, could it be Irene's thread? It's real. What would I do now? Well, I'll do what Irene did. I'll follow the thread. So he does. So he takes a hold of the thread for the first time. Now he can feel what he never felt before. He can trust, but he never trusted before. It's now him. It's his own personal journey. So he follows the thread. And sure enough, the thread takes him all the way out of the caves, up through the mountains, all the way back to his mother's house. He ends up with the thread in front of his mother's door, only to proclaim to his mother, I have found her thread, and now I believe in what Irene has been telling me. I want to talk with you with that analogy about the thread, with the analogy of being a follower. Remember, our, our series is something called Follower. And for you to be a follower, there's a time in your life when you grab the thread. The thread, of course, is Jesus, the thread is salvation. The thread is when you enter the invisible world of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God and you follow that thread and people don't understand it. Say, I don't see any thread in your hand. Well, there is. Uh, Jesus has helped me. Well, I don't see any Jesus. Well, he has. And Jesus is leading me. How do you know Jesus is leading? Because I can feel I have the thread. I don't believe that. And so you start somehow believing in an invisible world, very unusual, in something people can't see, only you can feel, and you follow that thread, and your life changes, you get people rescued, you have wonderful things happen, and there comes a point where the people you talk to about the thread become thread followers. So they actually get themselves in a situation where they remember what you said. You know, if you call upon the name of the Lord, you know, Jesus is very real. You know, God will help you wherever you are. You know, God cares for you. And if you'll trust him, he'll lead you out of your problems and he'll help you in your situation. The words start coming back to you and you try it. So you call on the name of the Lord. And amazingly, so... The grace of God comes on your heart and you feel something invisible. You feel something sovereign. You feel something different. Something begins to happen in your life. You can't describe it to everybody, but you now have a faith in the invisible and your life begins to change and you grab a hold of Jesus and you start following Jesus and you become a follower so that you can help other people follow. I want to talk with you about what it means to help people follow Jesus because you're such a great follower. Now, of course point would be 
very hard to talk to someone about the thread if you don't have any. Very difficult to explain trust if you don't use it. Very difficult for you to get someone out of the prison house and the dark chambers of life and the darkness and the disappointment and the oppressions and all the stuff that happened if you have never, ever done that. Very difficult. But once you do, once you grab the thread, once you follow Jesus, once you experience one experience of Jesus coming into your life and forgiving you of your sin or restoring your soul or helping you in relationships or guiding you out of a situation or bringing peace in a crisis. Every person listening to my voice, there will be a time of crisis in your life. You will face crisis at some point or another. It is not something I'm prophesying doom. It's just life. Life has curveballs and everybody has to hit them. That curveball can be in a sickness. It can be in a, a premature death of a friend or a family. It can be in a shattered life. It can be in some disappointment with someone. It can be something you don't even have anything to do with, but it's done to you. There's all kinds of stuff that come at us in life. And so sometimes we don't really take a hold of the thread in life until the crisis hit, and that's perfectly okay, but it'd be better if you had some before you got there. But when you face the crisis, when you actually go into those areas of life, you learn the name of Jesus, the power of Jesus, the prayer of Jesus, the word of Jesus. You start following, and he leads you out of it. Then you find someone else who has a marriage crisis or a physical crisis or emotional crisis or they don't believe anything or their life's falling apart or philosophically they're totally screwed up. They cannot figure out anything, whatever it might be. You have faith to say to them, why don't you follow the thread? Say, what in the world are you talking about? The thread, the invisible thread. Why don't you trust in something invisible? Well, because exactly why I don't is because it's invisible. I, what are you talking about? No, there's, there's something about Jesus and what he wants to do in your life that will make the invisible visible. You'll, you'll see it, you'll feel it, it'll be yours. It's an amazing thing. Prayer actually works. If you pray, God hears your prayer. I've never believed in prayer. I've never prayed like that, but it, it works. I'm telling you, it works. And so you start reproducing in someone else something you've experienced. What kind of a follower are you? If people follow you, will they end up better? If people follow you, will they get out of where they are and get to a better place? If people follow you, would they learn faith and trust? Would they learn to live by a set of Bible principles that work? And they make great perimeters for decision-making and for living life because you are a model to that and they begin to understand that and they begin to copy your decision. They begin to copy what you're doing because they see that it works in your life. They see it works in your marriage. They see it works in the way you do business. And so they begin to follow the Jesus you follow because of the Jesus in you. Life gets very, very different when you become a reproducer. My definition for follower has been simple the whole series. A person who knows, loves, and serves Jesus as supreme passion of life. It's so simple, but it, it's obviously a little difficult. Everything else comes second. Well, living second is hard. It's a daily choice to put myself second. Jesus himself lived 
under the Father's will. Jesus didn't do anything without the Father telling him. Do you realize that? Every day for Jesus was, I'm doing the will of my Father. That's the meat I eat, is the will of my Father. No, whatever the Father says, that's what I do. Another time it says, whatever I see the Father doing, that's what I do. Whatever the Father has prepared for me, that's where I'm going. Jesus lived a life expecting the Father to open every single day with what the Father had prepared. He was a follower. He was second. He was not first. Not his agenda. Not just his desires. Not just what he wanted. What does the Father want? Every single day, you will walk at least 10,000 steps every day of your life. Some people might do less for other reasons, but the average is 10,000 steps. In a lifetime, that's 115,000 miles. That's four times around planet Earth you will walk in your lifetime. Four times around planet Earth. 115,000 miles. And every time you take a step in life, you step into someone's world. If you're in business, you step into that world and you step into people's lives every day. Whether it's just going by Starbucks or it's seeing a friend at Subway or it's going out to lunch today and it's talking to a waiter and a, a gas station attendant and later on maybe you're playing football with a bunch of guys or maybe it's basketball or maybe you're doing this or maybe some mothers are getting together or maybe it's a work party for someone at your job and you're going to meet them and celebrate with a bunch of work people. Wherever your feet take you, every person listening to me has opportunity in the ordinariness of life to step into many people's worlds all the time with the idea that you can turn the ordinary into extraordinary and the routine into miraculous. Jesus turned normal into miracle. Jesus turned what was an ordinary wedding into a supernatural wedding. Jesus turned what was an ordinary boat ride into a supernatural boat ride. Jesus turned what was just sitting down eating a lunch into a magnificent miracle about multiplying the bread and the fish. Jesus took the ordinary every day wherever he went, sitting on the well by the well with the woman or coming down the mountain meeting the leper or going to Peter and, and, and praying for the mother-in-law or, or, or everywhere Jesus went. It was not him taking the crisis of life. It was him taking the ordinary steps of life and making them miraculous. Stepping into people's worlds. Being aware, today, I'm following the thread. Today is my day. Father God, Holy Spirit, Lord Jesus, I'm getting up today, putting my feet on the floor, and I have 10,000 steps to take. Let at least 50 of these steps be supernatural. Let something miraculous happen as I step into my job today or meet that business person or I go to the college or I coach that basketball player or I play on that team and I have a chance to maybe step into their world just for a moment and I have that opportunity to say to someone, there is some thread you can follow. There's a way that you can actually get out of the situation you're in. Lord, I'm praying that you will take the ordinary steps of life and make them miraculous today. That's what Jesus did. That's what Jesus did. All I'm asking you to do is simply live your life with a sense of direction. 
and with a sense that you're responsible to share. To do that, you have to be a person that's gone through the journey. We've talked about the five groups of people, admirers, inquirers, responders, followers, reproducers. I'm talking right now with the phrase reproducer. That is, you give what you experience. Reproducers are what? True followers who intentionally reach and disciple people to live like Jesus and share his love. Now, for a reproducer to do that, you would have to have a target. And it seems to me that the primary target for Jesus was people. He says, I'll leave the 99 and I'll go after the one. He said, if the coins get lost, I'll sweep the whole house till I find the coin. If the son gets lost, I'll leave all the sons at the house and all the servants and I'll wait for that one son to return so I can restore him. When you look at the mission statement of Jesus, he says, my mission is to seek and save the lost. My mission as a doctor is not to be with the healthy, but to be with the sick. I mean, he says it over and over again to those people who don't understand what he's doing. He says, my mission in life is to have the dinner with the tax collectors and the sinners. That's the people I'm going to be with. To have this time when I come down the mountain, I want to talk to the leper. I want to talk to the demonized man. I want to go to that house. I want to heal that person's daughter. I want to be involved with that situation. I want to share the gospel here. Jesus was on a mission all the time. To seek and save the lost. When, they, when the healthy rebuked him, he said, hey, healthy people don't need a doctor. Come on, what, what's wrong with you people? Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people need a doctor. So are you actually not wanting me to be with sick people? They didn't get it. But all the sick people that came to Jesus, the morally sick, the mentally sick, the physically sick, all kinds of sickness in life, Jesus was there to share with them the gospel of the kingdom, which was the gospel of hope and forgiveness and restoration. And if there was a miracle needed, he would get involved with that miracle. Whatever he could do, he would teach them. He would change their life. That was the mission of Jesus. Your mission is the same as the Jesus mission, Mark 1:17. Come with me and I'll teach you to catch people. Catch people. I'll teach you to be fishers of people. Your mission statement, more than any other mission statement in your life, is to reach people, restore people, help people, and show people the thread called Jesus. That's your mission. That's your number one mission. Now, if you find spiritual gifts along the way, God bless you, that's a great thing. If you get to operate in some miracles of faith, that's awesome. But the mission is not just the gifts or the miracles or even your own satisfaction. The mission is that you would reach people. And if you don't reach people with all the stuff you have, there's something wrong with the mission. And so there's something wrong kind of with the church. Because we have everything so much pointed our own direction, we don't think about those people. So we Christianize our life. Everything is about what we do. Now, hear me out. I'll, I'll, I'll tread on some thin ice for a moment, but know my balance and know if you know me as a pastor, you would. But 
Jesus didn't call you to work at a Christian business, to hang out with Christian friends, to do Christian potluck, to join a Christian connect group, and to make sure you have a Christian dog or Christian dog food and, and Christian stations and, and, and Christian cards to read and Christian books and Christian videos and so that you surround your life with Christian, 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 Christian because we are supposed to be separate from the world and we don't want to be around darkness and you, know, you don't want to be around those people. I want you to know something that is totally 1,000% wrong theology about what it means to be a Jesus follower. The Bible has never taught that, and the Bible does not teach that. The Bible teaches you go where the sick person is. The Bible teaches that you actually go into the world of that one sheep that got lost, or that one son that strayed, or that one coin that you have to sweep the house for. You actually seek and save the, the whole primary uh, purpose of being a Jesus follower is for you to find that person. And your target is to catch that person, to help that person, and to minister grace to that person. But if we surround ourselves with the wrong idea, well, you know, I just don't want to be around swearing and all that stuff. I want to work for a Christian business. Horrible idea. Horrible idea. Horrible. Well, you know, I like to cycle, and so when we ride our bikes, I want 10 other Christians to ride so we can pray and speak in tongues and prophesy and, and, and believe God for miracles amongst us as, as we go. Horrible idea. Horrible. You don't need to ride with Christian. Find some unchristian. Find some unchurched. Find some people that need your help. Why would all the light bulbs just cling together and say, we're light bulbs, we're light bulbs, we're light bulbs, we're salt, we're salt, hallelujah, we are salt. Aren't we awesome salt? We are all, you're only salt if you get out of the shaker. You're not salt in the shaker. You're not light just together. It, it was never the purpose of Jesus to sit all of us just on a hill and we could say, okay, we are the community of light and we will not be touched by darkness. Light is supposed to dispel the darkness. You have to go into the darkness. You gotta go into life and not be afraid of it. Not be afraid of it. You want to, if you're a Christian businessman, hire unbelievers. Whoa. Whoa. What are you talking about? That's exactly what I'm talking about. You are light and you are salt and you are on a mission to help the sick soul. Not just to fellowship yourself to death. Little piggies for the kingdom of God. Just everything is about me. We go through that. Now, a sad statistic is this, is that the longer you're a Christian, the less you talk about Jesus. And the longer you're a Christian, the fewer unsaved friends you have, unchurched, or people that's even hurting. Because you surround yourself with your little club. And you do life, maybe for the rest of your life with them. And I'm all for connect groups. I'm all for connecting. But something I said to our connect group leaders the other night, and I think they're still processing it, I don't think a connect group should be allowed to be a connect group unless they have unsaved, unchurched, and hurting people along with their connect group. And if they don't have that, they should not be allowed to meet. Say, well, we can't get deep if we have people that don't know. You'll be surprised how deep you'll have to get when some of these unchurched, unsaved people start asking you the real questions. You might have to go real deep. You might be kind of nervous. I don't know how to answer that. It's not, you know, we're going to do the Bible. Why are we going to do the Bible? Because we do the Bible. Who told you the Bible's right? Pastor Frank. 
How do you know the Bible is right? You better dig in a little bit. You better understand you got to disciple that person. Are you there? To be a person who catches people, you've got to be a fisher of people. Those who carefully search for all people, all people, all people, all people. And they catch the unnoticed, the broken. Hardest one to catch, I think, is the everyday. The everyday person that's hid in the murkiness of your life. You see him every day. You go to the same food stand or the same gym or you, you, you have a few words once in a while on the golf course or maybe they bring business to your business or you work for them but you never see them. They work somewhere else in the factory but you see them once in a while. Everyday people. The mother next door, the father next door, the teenager across the street, the junior higher down the road. The single mother whom you know is struggling financially and other ways. You know that there's stuff going on in her life. You know she's in your world, but you're not in her world. You just kind of say, wow, that must be really hard, must be really difficult. They're in your world. For Jesus, it would be, Father, give me some steps today. Let some of my steps be divine. Now, not all 10,000 steps are divine every day, but a few dozen should be. You don't have to make 10,000 great Sovereign, remarkable, unbelievable steps in the people's world. But there should be a couple dozen of them that you would get into their world. Now, if you're a, an unsaved, unchurched, new, new person inquiring, looking to Jesus, visiting our services today, Jesus is wanting to help you, and he'll use people to help you. People that will love you, reach out to you, talk with you, spend time with you, and truly do the Jesus thing with your life. Well, to be a fisher of people, you got to do a couple things for fishing. Here's the fishing lessons. One, it requires the right equipment. Well, for the right equipment, you have to know what kind of fish you're going after, what kind of rod you need, what's going to be the bait. It requires the right equipment. If I'm going to talk to someone who's in a different religion, I better read about it first. If I'm going to talk to someone that has a different moral view on life, I better understand why they do. If I'm going to talk to this person who's been through this, this, and this, I better read about what maybe you've never been around it. Maybe your family tree is a different kind of family tree and you've never been around a divorced person. You've never had to go through the divorce emotion or the baggage or the hurt or, or the anger or, or all kinds of stuff that happens when something breaks. Well, maybe you should school yourself in the emotions of a broken person. The emotions of a person who's going through and in our cities, around the nation right now, the gay lifestyle. I'm, I'm not against gay people as people. I have a moral view, but I cannot attack the gay person. I cannot try to talk to the gay person by telling them, you are perverted. 
and you are wrong, and, and I would never, ever, ever endorse your lifestyle, and you need to repent of that. That's absolutely the wrong door to go into. That's the wrong fly to throw out there and try to hook that fish. You might as well be throwing your fishing pole and your, and your line onto hard concrete out in the middle of the road somewhere, and someone says, what are you doing? I'm fishing for that fish. Well, the fish don't live here, thank you very much. That, that will not work on the concrete. What in the world are you doing? If you're going to fish for people, you better learn them, know them, love them, understand them. Follow Jesus. When he talked to the woman who's got a broken broken, broken, broken pieces. He asked her a few questions. What are you doing here? I'm drawing water. What does that look like I'm doing here? Who are you? Well, you know, there's water that you can drink that you'll never thirst again. What are you talking about? I walk three miles every day carrying these buckets back. What are you talking about? I'm just telling you, there's some different kinds of water. He doesn't start with a lesson on morality. He doesn't start with a word of knowledge about that. He doesn't start with some kind of a spooky spiritual. He starts with a very, very right, compassionate question. Why do you keep drinking water that doesn't satisfy? He's talking about her life. Why do you have to draw from all the wells of all these men and you're never happy? He is actually talking in a parable to her and she catches on real fast. Oh, you mean I'll never thirst again? No, I have something for you that you won't go to their well anymore. You won't do it. You've been trapped, but I can get you out of the trap. What was Jesus doing? He was fishing with the right fishing pole and the right hook and the right attitude. And that woman says, give me this water that you are talking about. Then he goes to, now, a little bit about your past here. You want to, it all comes out. When he talks to the Pharisee, it's different. The rich young ruler is different. When he, when he talks to his own followers, it's different. When he, when he talks to Mary Magdalene, who had seven demons, thank you very much. Mary Magdalene, the, 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 the woman that's famous in Scripture, how he deals with her is so different. If you're going to catch people, you've got to love them understand them, and wrap it in a Jesus heart. You'll never reach them. But if you do go after them, there will be a time when that life opens up. What world are you in? Who are you talking to? How do you love them? What are you saying? When was the last time you caught anybody? I don't want to put guilt and shame on the series by saying shame on you. Shame on me, not shame on you. Shame on me. When was the last time? I can't count the church altars or the church membership as my harvest or I've been fishing, look at all the people we have. I'm talking about my own private life. When was the last time I caught a fish? When was the last time I fished for that unbeliever or that unchurched or that broken person or that strayed sheep or that lost coin? 
I got a few on the line. I'm trying to live out exactly what I'm saying because I believe it is the mission of Jesus and it's the heart of Jesus for you to love someone into the kingdom of God. Who are you loving? Who are you after? How are you doing it? Where's your burden? What could you do to change the game? How could you step into their world? You don't have to go looking for this somehow. Go knocking on doors like some of the other religions do or do some fabricated evangelism thing. I'm not talking about fabricated. I'm talking about your 10,000 steps. I'm talking about the ordinary. I'm talking about what's already everywhere around you. Just try it. Wake up in the morning, put your feet on the floor and say, today... I'm looking for a couple dozen divine steps in my life. Lead me, Jesus. Help me. Give me a heart. And when I feel that person, quicken me. and Let me just have a little door to talk to them. And Lord, I want to do this. I want to catch people for you. I want the grace of God to be in my words. Help me today. He gives you a whole different reason for living and a whole different reason for going to work, a whole different reason for catching the bus, a whole different reason for going to the college class, a whole different reason when you sit in the doctor's office. And if you're a pregnant lady and you're waiting for the doctor, maybe there's five other pregnant ladies. You start talking, how's your pregnancy? And one of them says, my pregnancy is horrible. And this is what's going on in my life and I can't believe it, and she starts crying, and you're sitting there, and it's just a doctor's appointment, you can pat her on the hand and say, well, I'm sorry, darling, that's really tough. Boy, I hope you find a way through this. Or you can say, hallelujah, this is my point. This is my time. This is exactly what I prayed for. You can scoot over next to that young woman, and you can say, you know what? There's a way I can help you through this. What is your name? I'm going to pray with you right now. Can we talk later on? Can we get together? And she might say, I don't have a mother here. I don't have a father here. My family lives in Michigan. I don't have anyone to talk with. I would love to talk with someone. All of a sudden, your life has shifted to someone else. And that someone else could be the greatest miracle they've ever experienced.